This is Harold Sylvester, also known as Griff, and you are listening to the Married with Children podcast. You know, this bartering stuff is great. I wonder why people didn't think of this thousands of years ago. You know, it's kind of hard to barter when you got a T-Rex chasing your ass. Let's rock. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This is Luigi. Happy New Year 2023. Today is Friday, January 6, 2023. This Married with Children podcast began six years ago today with its very first episode. Married with Children podcast flashback. Like Jerry said, the landmark first one, man, talk about coming out of the gate. Like I said, I was struck by it when I first saw it about how good the first episode was. It really set up everything and really painted a picture for what was to come and they just didn't realize how good it would get so when you start off this strong and somehow just get better because i love the bravery of it i love the balls of the show i love how they were like nothing is like this everybody is all into this goody two cosby kind of thing and we're going to do something completely different we're just going to put it out there and see how it goes. And, you know, we don't care. We're fearless, and that's how we're going to go, and that's how the show is going to stay. And, man, what a way to start. So that was the pilot episode of Married with Children. We just reviewed. Hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, gentlemen, this is Last Call. Oh, it is? Oh, man. Well, before we go, we'll see you. At, we're going to release this show. It is Friday. It is January 6th. 2017 is the year that we are starting this show because this show started in 1987. So 30 years later, we are here to do this as a tribute to one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. 30 years on the year, and we're doing it every single Friday for, I guess, five years. So we have a long way to go. Uh, This is a great start. And today we are all here to give you the final episode that was broadcast for Married with Children, Season 11, Episode 24, Chicago Shoe Exchange. Hello, everyone. Chris Gunter. Glad to have you with us. Happy New Year, all that good stuff. And we're here on the very end, Episode 259. Seems like just yesterday, Luigi and I were doing Proud to Be Your Butt. That was our first episode we did together, and now we're doing our last. So let's see how it goes. And this is Annabelle, a.k.a. Mary Daniak. Welcome to our final, final episode. Maybe. And this is Stephen Bartholomew Scott. And I'm sad to say there's no more Steve, but at least we still have Mary with Children reruns. Ah, good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Matt Thompson from Western Australia. Honored to be part of the podcast. And uh, yeah, sad to see it go, but always have the good memories. My name is Tyler Paul Tigno, and former uh, co-host of the Mirror with Children Roundtable way back when. 
What's up, guys? This is Al, the uh, creator of the Married with Children podcast. From, uh, wow, it's been six years now to the day that this all started. It's come such a long way. Can't believe it's over. I still remember sitting here starting that first episode in 2017 and knowing that this had to be done in as early as December of that year before. And I just said, you know what, let's get this thing moving because I knew right away it was a five-year journey, which uh, turned out to be six. <laughs> but um, yeah, started episode number one. My last show was 158. Tisket, Tasket, Can Peg Make a Basket? And these guys took over and did a great job. But I will say that it might not have been the worst thing that I kind of stopped at season seven because uh, <laughs> I think I got the better episodes. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you guys didn't no seem to kidding. enjoy them all as much. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Tyler and I were wondering about that in one of our final episodes that you planned to quit before. Yeah. You got to... <laughs> I was like, I want everything to fall apart at the end of seven because I don't want to do these other ones. <laughs> Every poll Stephen does on the Facebook group page of what's our favorite episodes, almost none of them are episodes we've covered. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I can't say it's been a rough journey for me, but uh, you guys really took over and, and did an amazing job, especially with what you had to work with. So uh, I'm just glad it was this huge collaborative process, starting with JP and Jerry. And then when Dan and Jamie came in, it just took on another life to another level. And it'll always be a fond memory. And uh, it's it's kind of uh, bittersweet that today is the last episode. Yeah, I mean, to our fans, we uh, our last uh, episode, uh, How to Marry a Moron, aired on uh, December 21st. So uh, we had to hold this episode back just so that we hit that mark. And you know, we have a couple of other goodies for our fans with a season wrap-up show and a series wrap-up show coming up in January, maybe early February. But Today's a very special day, Alex, and we wanted to pay tribute to you. Oh, you know, we, we all started as fans. Everyone on this uh, recording started out as fans of the podcast, and we were happy. I mean, I'll tell you, it's been a lot of work, <laughs> but uh, we were happy that we could bring this over the finish line. And yeah. one of the words, Alex, that you used throughout uh, the recordings from when you started was you just kept talking about the journey. Mm. And you know, the journey of the story of uh, one of our favorite, most favorite shows of all time. And here we are, six years to the day, we finally reached the end of the journey. Right. Yeah, it was a kind of thing where, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess people know by now, but I was doing a horror podcast. And I kind of like just went to my limits with that. And then I was just like, you know, I still have something in the tank, but I really don't know where to direct that. And it didn't really take very long for me to realize that this was the show that needed this podcast. There's so many shows, the monsters or whatever, of old, old 90 shows or whatever that had podcasts. And this had nothing. I'd searched everywhere. I could not find anybody doing any, except for Annabelle, anybody really doing much for this show at all on the internet. So it was a no brainer. As soon as it occurred to me, I was like, yep that I could do that. I'm definitely, I think I'm the right guy for this. So then I just said, okay, so who wants to do this with me? I put a few feelers out, started off with those two guys. And uh, like I said, it took off and 
became a life of its own. And now so many people and you guys were I was always glad that you guys took over because you were always the most passionate guys right from the beginning. You were all patrons. You were all like way into it, active on the the group page and all that kind of stuff. So if anybody was going to take over, it wouldn't be just like podcasters who do other stuff. And, oh, you guys done podcasts, right? Why don't you do this? Like you guys didn't even do podcasts. And you just (laughs) said, well, we listened to your show like 158 times. So maybe we could, (laughs) you know, just kind (laughs) of keep going in that fashion. And and you did. And the production that you guys all kind of like mirrored what I did in all those seven seasons. And it's pretty amazing. Like it just kind of worked out right people, right time. And, you know, it took an extra year, but it's, it's, it's here. Yeah. I mean, and, and for our listeners, uh, you know, just to give you a little behind the scenes of this particular podcast, you know, having all seven of us on is a labor of love for many of us. So it's 7am on the East coast where I'm recording from myself, Alex and Tyler, I believe it's 6am in central time zone where Steven and Chris are recording from it's 8pm in Perth, Australia, and it's 1030pm in Adelaide. It, it takes a lot to put one of these things together. And particularly when you hear us, you know, from other sides of the, of the world, some of us are waking up very early and some of us are staying up very late. So it's definitely been a labor of love. And Alex, you left us with a great template. I think, uh, you know, the biggest compliment I received from you was uh, when we were producing the first few episodes, I just asked you, hey, Alex, does this sound like the way that you would have done it? And Mm -hmm. uh, when you said that that's exactly the way it would have sounded, I I think we we followed your template to a T. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for the last 101 episodes, it's always been that's your voice that begins the episode. So we've been very happy that uh, oh, yeah, that, right. that continued. <laughs> so we had a lot of consistency. Like I said, you know, we have our opening jokes from right. the epi- from the episode. It's Alex's voice. Then we go into our opening. And of course, there's Anthrax, which plays <laughs> uh, under. Uh, I say under because that's the way it looks like in Audacity. <laughs> yeah. But that is our background music. And then, of course, we have uh, Alex's wife, Tiffany, who does the bumper. Uh, That's her voice when um, just before we do the ratings. And, of course, we have Ed uh, Coupler, I guess his name. Yeah, that's a random song from an old 80s movie that I really, for some reason, it just made me feel like uh, a good exit song. It had a nice little tone to it. So Right. And that's uh, not a solo round, uh, which I've become very fond of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, the famous love and marriage that ends this. So that's the podcast and that's the, uh, that's the format. And I think we've been very consistent, maybe with a couple of specials in between, depending on the nature of the podcast episode, but here we are at the end of the journey. One thing I'd like to say about this podcast, I was reflecting about it last night, knowing that this is the final, uh, actual just straight up episode review is when I'm looking for new podcasts and Alex already mentioned some like the Munsters and the Adams family, like just random. There's a Frasier podcast I follow where just people do what we do, go through every single episode. And it's so sad when I find some that are, they got like, 
you know, the silent uh, half crescent moon over them showing that they're inactive and they they just stopped with like four seasons to go. And it almost turns me off even starting some of these podcasts because I'm like, well, it's going to end and I'm a completist. So the fact whether you whether you guys don't like our style, whether you think you're not vibing with us, if you like Mary with Children, the very least we can offer you is that we have done every single episode from start to finish. And uh, I've just noticed that's not something that every podcast can claim to have done. Yeah, yeah good point. And, uh, you know, there's a, a famous uh, word that I've learned from uh, Annabelle, uh, pedantic, right? So <laughs> it, <laughs> it, uh, it just means like, you know, we're, we're complete and we have to make sure that it's done properly. So the fact that uh, we finished this uh, gives me a lot of personal satisfaction. I hope it also does for our fans. And this is one of those things that we hope will be out there for many years to come. And people can go back and listen back to everything. And we encourage you all. I mean, if you got to episode 259 and you want more, I mean, <laughs> if you listen to episode one six years ago, you might want to go back and re-listen to it again and start all over. So. Yeah, there's no way you could have memorized all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, like I said, we'll hopefully in our series wrap-up show, we will uh, maybe talk about some highlights. But um, before we get there, we are going to get started with today's episode. We still have one episode to review. So well, can we just talk about other stuff, actually? Let's go, let's go talk about the whole show. So, yeah, that podcast, we started a long time ago. Yeah, what's married with children? No, we, we do have to talk about this episode, unfortunately. But, yeah, I'm just kidding. It's not that hard. Yeah, you, you know, uh, I, I guess just before we get started on it, I will say part of our discussion about season 11, this is actually a shorter season than normal. Typically, after season one, uh, and Annabelle, you can keep us honest here. Almost all the seasons had 26 episodes. Uh, I'm trying. You, you might know better than me, but uh, season 11 yeah. actually was cut short by two. Well, season one had 13, season two had 22, season three had 22, season four had 23, season five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, sorry, season five had 25, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 had 26, and 11 has 24. Okay. There so you go. So we went down. So we, so the number went down. So maybe it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that it was a 24 episode season. <laughs> it felt like a 50 episode yeah. season. Yeah. 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 It did feel like it dragged on. You know, Right, Chris? I mean, I know when Chris and I were recording this season, we just found that uh, yeah. things were a little <laughs> not as fun, let's say, as even season eight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I as I always say, no amount of great acting can make up for poor writing. And, uh, the, and that's for the vast majority of season 11. And uh, I feel like that really comes into play uh, with the finale here, but we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. <laughs> All right. And uh, we're, we're not going to talk too much. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it in our, in the season wrap up show, which will be coming yep. up uh, soon, but anyway, let's get started. So Chicago Shoe Exchange, season 11, episode 24. Gary is restocking the shoe store and dating all the old shoes to Filipino orphans. When the lunch delivery girl accepts old sandals as payment because Al and Griff have no money, they realize that the shoes have trading value. Meanwhile, Kelly gets her masseuse license but accidentally cripples Bud when trying out her skills on them. Director, Mark K. Samuels. 
Writers, Matthew Berry and Eric Adams. Guest starring, Harold Sylvester as Griff, Janet Carroll as Gary, Larry Bagby as Clements, James Nardini as Chris, Matthew Sutherland as Grad, Michael C. Mahan Mahan as Larry, Abby Nair as Corndog Lady, Lisa Gay Tremblay as Kathy, Cheryl Felicia Rhodes as Rachel, Gita Isak as Gloria, and Lucky the Dog as Lucky the Dog. We were not so lucky. (laughs) No, we were not. (laughs) The title to this episode, Chicago Shoe Exchange, refers to the Chicago Sock Exchange. The Chicago Stock Exchange is a stock exchange in Chicago, Illinois. Exchange is a national securities exchange and self-regulatory organization which operates under the oversight of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. The Chicago Stock Exchange is currently located at 440 South LaSalle Street. Founded on March 21st, 1882, the Chicago Stock Exchange merged with the regional stock exchanges St. Louis, Cleveland, and Minneapolis to form the Midwest Stock Exchange in 1949. In 1959, the New Orleans Stock Exchange became part of the Midwest Stock Exchange, and in the early 60s, the Midwest Stock Exchange Corporation was established to provide centralized accounting for member firms. In 1993, it changed its name back to the Chicago Stock Exchange. The Chicago Shoe Exchange crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sure did. Now, a little bit of uh, history uh, with regards to uh, this episode. Interestingly, The Desperate Half Hour and How to Marry a Moron aired on May 5th of 1997. And I thought at the time that, and that was a Monday night, by the way. And what I thought was, that was it. And I remember at that point in time, I guess for for those of us who remembered watching these episodes live, or again, again, seeing the series finale, you know, as it aired lot, you know, for the first time in May, of 1997 we thought that was the end of it and that year in 1997 i remember what was dubbed as the series finale sitting in basement of my parents house and watching that one hour series finale you know with tears in my eyes of course and i thought that was it and typically what i would do was when the season ended i would start watching summer reruns So you would usually expect in the months of June, July, and August to rewatch episodes from the previous season airing in reruns, and then the new season would begin in September. So I thought that I would get a a rerun of some season 11 episodes during the summer of 1997. Why? Uh, Well, well, lo behold, I'm, you know, I remember... Now, the middle of May of 1997 was my freshman year of college. I finished finals. I think it was around the 15th or so. And we went through Memorial Day, and I figured that summer reruns would begin. So here I am on June 9th of 1997. I think it was like at 830 at night. I'm sitting in in the same basement watching television, see that Married with Children's coming up, and I'm expecting to see a rerun. 
And all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before. And I literally was sitting uh, you know, on the couch thinking to myself that I had, I had missed something. I'm like, is it possible that I missed an episode? And, you know, again, to use Annabelle's word of pedantic, <laughs> I was a religious, I mean, married with children was my religion from 1987 through 1997. And I rarely, if ever missed an episode. So lo and behold, I'm like, what is this? I've never seen something with a, a chimp. <laughs> Mr. Zippy. And I was just in shock to watch this. And I don't think it was until I was on the probably Bundyology site, which was already up by this point in time uh, in 1997, that I found out that I wasn't crazy. I was crazy maybe for other reasons, <laughs> but I did realize that, hey, this is an episode that had not aired before in season 11. So here we are with a brand new episode. So I, th I think for the, some fans out there of the show, maybe who are not uh, super fans, I would say, wait a minute, you know, last, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you guys had the season and series finale of married with children. And what's this episode it was like, well, uh, Annabelle, I think you've always said, and I've asked you this question. You said that you think that they just forgot about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of another explanation. I mean, maybe they had to air the finale in a, at a certain date. Okay. But I think I'm right in assuming that they, if they did advertise it, this episode, it wasn't very much. It sounds like you went into it completely blind, like you didn't know there was going to be a new episode. I don't think they advertised it. I cannot find a single promo for it anywhere. And because it was the, the 21st episode filmed in the season and then it aired afterwards, it does feel like it was forgotten about, to me anyway. So that was the shock for myself. And but like I said, I, I don't remember any commercials, any promotions in 1997. Like I said, I just went into it. I, I, I watched it. I was in a little bit of shock. And like I said, I just remembered going to Bundyology, like right after the fact. I mean, and for those who remember back in 1997, pretty much what we had was the Dean Adams program guide and Bundyology had gone live, I believe it was in March or April of 1997. So we had some online resources and already Annabelle was online with uh, in, in during that time period. She was already collecting information about this. So like I said, I was just in shock about this particular episode. And because of the way they aired, the DVD sets actually air them in sequence this way. So that's, I'd say, one of the interesting little quirks about this. I mean, it's also interesting how I'll see you in court, which technically wasn't broadcast until 2002. And we'll have a, a, a repeat of that show for you all. We'll publicize that if you really want to take the experience uh, 100%. So you go back to one of Alex's recordings uh, from back in, uh, I would say, 2017 18, or 2018. I think it was 2018 at that point. You can go back and you should go back and listen to that. But yeah. It was just everything was out of sequence with this, which is also very atypical of a show. A typical for season 11. <laughs> Agreed. Typical season 11. So let's get started. So we open up in the shoe store and Al has another large woman in the chair. This 
bad. Great. Uh, ring them right up. But I don't love them. Let's put them in the maybe pile. <laughs> Ma'am, my back is killing me. Unfortunately, not fast enough. <laughs> I just don't see anything I like. You ought to be sitting on this stool. <laughs> Got more shoes for our delightful customer. She's gone. Picky bitch. <laughs> Yep, looks like a typical shoe shoe store scene. Over nine thousand shoes on the floor, and oh, that's that's the maybe pile, isn't it? <laughs> the woman is uh, a little bit picky, quote unquote, and uh, uh, Griff uh, has some choice words for her by calling her a picky bitch. <laughs> oh, but of course. Uh, the um the the, the woman Alt F falls exits the shoe store and but another woman walks in and hears it, namely Gary and she is not amused. After a rewatch, I noticed Al says something very interesting. He goes, "My back is killing me." To the last large woman right before Gary walks in, he says it as a joke. But with everything that happens to Bud later on, I'm wondering if some writer was having problems with his chiropractor or something because I was wincing a lot during this entire episode, just like back, hip, legs. There's a lot of like method to being broken down and old uh, on the entire show. Yeah. I, this is, this episode makes me cringe. So mm. I usually avoid it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just for the dialogue perspective, it it's also, uh, uh, it stinks anyway. <laughs> Are you talking to me? No, 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 no. I'm talking to him. Picky bitch. <laughs> well, I see as usual, you have outdone yourselves with the store display. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Listen, morons, I've decided to restock the store. So I'm donating all of these old shoes to poor Filipino orphans. Well, they made them. Why would they want them back? <laughs> Just pack them up. Excuse me, I've got to go shopping. I'm going on a cruise and I want to look good. For her to look good, she'd have to stand next to a real ugly tuna. <laughs> and she thought she was the one being called a picky bitch. Mm-hmm. She, she thought she was. Well, you know, I mean, if we talk about the cartoonish nature of the show at this point, it's just interesting how Gary calls them morons. It's like, in other words, it becomes the title for them. It's like, listen, morons, right? You know, yeah. That 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 seems to become the uh, the mantra for Gary at this point. Yeah, it, it literally is like a cartoon. I mean, this this episode in particular, with what we have with Bud later on, this episode is the definition of slapstick and just goofy overall. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And very and very typical for season eleven. A lot of scene changes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. I mean, if if you go back to uh, the first few seasons of the show, a lot of the dialogue is happening in the living room and it's very dialogue focused here. It's completely sight gags. I mean, this could have been a Looney Tunes cartoon, but it's, it's just the uh, live action as opposed to being animated. So Gary says she's going on a cruise and, you know, Al says that for her, in order for her to look good, she has to stand next to a real ugly tuna. <laughs> I don't know. I, and you know what I find interesting is, I mean, Gary's like an older woman, but I I, I don't find her to be unattractive. So I, I guess that's just the joke, right? I mean, they just have to yeah. continually. Well, she is a redhead. Yeah. So. I, and, and we did talk about that pretty much. You know, Al is tortured by redheaded women in his life. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, <laughs> what it's been. And Gary, I believe, Jan Carroll actually dyed her hair, right? She's not a natural red. Gary also makes a, a note about Filipino orphans. I believe that might be a callback to uh, episode two of season 11, Children of the Corn. Why not? <laughs> Hi, got your lunch. Oh, good. Just give her the money. I don't have any money. Well, I don't have any money. Well, you know, I could take those sandals instead. You know, a little trade. All right. <laughs> you got a deal. Cool. And while you're at it, take yourself a pair of pants. <laughs> In walks this young lady, and she is Abby Nayer, and she comes in and she plays Janet, and she brings lunch, and the boys don't have any money. Now, one of the lines that Griff says is, I don't have any money, which actually reminds me of our very famous Christmas episode, the um, the first part of the two-parter with Sam Kinison. $14.95, you say? Yes, Please hurry. Mama has the money. I don't have any money. Well, who has it? Mom! You remember when the old ladies come in and it's like, uh, and Al's trying to get out to the bank I and he says, I don't have any money. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mama. Yeah, so it was very, same. yeah, very reminiscent of that. Well, you know something I, interesting I had in my uh, notes on this uh, hot dog girl? Most married with children customers are either A, like morbidly obese, or B, they're a Playboy playmate. This girl looks like a normal girl. It's kind of a rarity in the shoe store. She looks like a normal shopper. You know what I mean? She's not a, she's not a playmate. She's not obese. <laughs> she looks like a regular person you'd see at the mall. <laughs> yeah. 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 According to the uh, Married with Children wiki page, the uniform that she's wearing is a reference to Hot Dog on a Stick, which is a fast food restaurant chain commonly found in malls across the U.S. Now, it's not common in the Northeast where I am located. I've never seen this. I've never heard of it, actually. So maybe. Uh... Same here. I've never, I've never heard of it. Okay. Yeah, we had some in our malls here in Tulsa back then. Looks like it's it's still out there, it looks like. so. Yeah, it said it was founded in um, out in Santa Monica, California. So it looks like more of like a, it started in the West Coast and maybe made, worked its way east. But uh, it doesn't seem to have ever made it to the Northeast. My question is, not with her, but like what? This mall has delivery service? In 1997? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it would have been in the mall itself. So, uh, yeah, I guess you could look at it. That Just way. run this down to Gary's shoes. <laughs> I guess she really wanted some shoes. And I'm glad that was answered about her logo because we don't have that here. But her, the logo on her hat looks like a either like a pair of like badminton rackets or lacrosse. That's rackets. what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's from a sporting goods shop. No, she's got food. She's from some weird American um, takeaway food thing. And uh, there's also a reference here to as when they tell her to, you know, if she could take the sandals and get herself a pair of peds. Uh, I wasn't sure what peds were. So, Annabelle, like, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't know. I just there are 
peds are kind of like a, a the socks, the no-show socks. And if you go to peds.com, that's literally what they are. Um, other than that, I have no idea. But Al says, take yourself a pair of peds. And I've always wondered what exactly they were and if they were indeed these um, no-show socks. We now move to the Bundy living room. And Lucky is helping Peg clean the dishes. All right, Lucky. The dishes are all done. Now it's time to do Al's laundry. Did y'all notice the applause for Lucky? Yes. (laughs) It was kind of funny. People like dogs. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. Lucky had a big applause, and then they went to Peg. Of course, she got applause, you know, first time on screen. But I Next know, that, to Al, that, Lucky's the most famous dog on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed rather loud. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, well, anyone who doesn't think Delta Burke is a major talent is someone I don't want to do business with. <laughs> we have another crack at Delta Burke. And I, I just I just wonder, like, you know, and this Alex, this is during your time. I mean, you, I think the, the whole Delta uh, Burke, Raymond Burr jokes were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm just trying to think they didn't make any fat jokes. So I wonder, like, you know, I, I mean, they just make a take. They just mention her name, but it's not like they. Did she have a beef with Fox at the time? Because I've heard jokes in The Simpsons about her, too. I don't know. Alex, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I don't know anything about Fox and. uh like, I don't know if she walked off of a thing they were doing together or anything like that. I was wondering, how come you don't really see anybody name their kids Delta anymore? <laughs> Good point. Put <laughs> a famous Delta in Australia. Oh, really? Delta Goodrum. A singer. Yeah. And she's beautiful. Um, okay. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Same reason why they don't name their kids Bono. It hasn't been long enough. <laughs> Kelly comes in and we find out that she has a masseuse license. Hey! Guess what? I finally got my masseuse license. You know what that means? You can rub men and finally get paid for it? (laughs) No master of (laughs) self-massage. It means that as a licensed masseuse, I can make some money... Oh, yeah. Guess you're right, huh? <laughs> so, um, Mom, you look pretty stressed. You want to go first? <laughs> well, I guess Mom can wait. How about you? Well, I am a little tense. Getting Delta Burke a job isn't as easy as I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, 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 Kelly, that feels good. Yeah. See, the key to it is pressure. Mm-hmm. Because if you press in the wrong place, you could... <laughs> you could really hurt someone. Okay, let's try this one. Wait, no, no, stop. Kelly, stop. Please, really please, please. One, <laughs> well, there's, there's a sound I haven't heard before. Um... Oh, my God. I can't move my legs. I can't move my legs. <laughs> That's not true. They're, they're twitching. <laughs> Kelly, I, I really, really think I'm going to need some help here. Okay. Well, I, I guess I better go take another lesson then, huh? No, okay. Don't leave, Kelly. Don't leave, please. 
Oh, okay. that actually made me laugh. So you could touch men for free and get paid for it. Yeah, like... <laughs> I kind of laughed at that. That was pretty funny. It just seems also, I mean, we talk about like, you know, sort of character uh, assassination. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like, it just seems very atypical of Kelly. Yeah. To be doing something like this. You know, you would expect her either to be, you know, again, a verminator or something like that. I mean, to get a masseuse license, you actually have to study. Yeah. And you have to take an yeah. exam. Not if you look like Kelly. Remember how she freaked out and Kelly doesn't live here anymore at the prospect of getting a job, even though she had three jobs by that point. So now she's just like, she'll take any job at this point in season 11. And right. I guess she wasn't getting the acting gigs. All right. Real quick. I just want to say something on this episode. Last night when I watched it was the first time ever. I sat down and watched it from beginning to end, <laughs> uninterrupted. I had never seen this episode complete in one sitting. All right. And did, did that change your opinion on it? Yes, it did. I made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is the last ever Delta Burke joke, even though it should, <laughs> I feel like the last one should have been back in 1995 at the latest. It better be. There's only like 13 or 14 minutes left of the entire series. I don't have a yeah. lot of time to make one. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, Peg is passed out and Bud volunteers to have Kelly work on her. And it it just seems that uh, if uh, Kelly puts pressure in the wrong place, he really gets hurt. So now he can't move his legs. It's really hard to watch this stuff with Bud. Like, I'm having some hip problems right now. Like, I'm going to a chiropractor and like just getting up to do this podcast, like I was just like uh, my leg a little bit right there, and hearing the sounds and something about Bud getting this horribly hurt. I've seen Al get worse, but somehow when Al screams, "Oh God!" I laugh when I hear Bud do it. It sounds more pathetic and more just like put an animal out of its misery, kind of bad. It's almost not funny. He's the youngest and the fittest, so I guess he really must be hurting. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> well, remember in the Blaine episode, it's like, uh, you remember like all the abuse that he gets and how, mm -hmm. like, it's almost reminiscent of that. But like I said, it was just cringeworthy for me. If you remember when, when we interviewed Michael Moy, talked about how, um, the whole point of like Buck getting neutered, it's like, you know, since most people who own dog, like guys who own dogs, <laughs> you know, they would probably sympathize. It's like, why could they not cringe, <laughs> you know, knowing that they're doing that to their dog? <laughs> I get it. If somebody is going to get hurt and the scene has Peggy, even if she's asleep there and Kelly and Bud, obviously physical pain is going to befall the male. They're not going to do that to Peggy or uh, Kelly. That's usually why Al's there, but man, oh man, they just went, they just went. To, it's when Jefferson comes in and starts adding to it that I'm like, come on, oh no. You know something that stood out to me also, Marcy's not in this at all. Yeah, and that is that. That's yeah. correct. Maybe Amanda Beers looked at the script and thought, I'm not dealing with this cold swallop. Uh, nope. Brought me out. <laughs> 
either that or we just assume that by this point, if she's not in the episode, she's probably directing it. So when I first saw this episode and saw that she did not direct it, A, I thought, oh, phew. And B, I guess she just <laughs> wasn't needed this week. So she's like, see ya. Yeah, if she directed it, it would have been funny. <laughs> But, but I mean, yes. look at all of the scene changes in this episode. And it's like, I guess even trying to give her a few lines, there was so much stuff going on, but it was very incoherent to me to some degree. So we actually open in the next scene in a new set, and it's a place called Smithstone, which is a parody of Brookstone. You know, this bartering stuff is great. I wonder why people didn't think of this thousands of years ago. You know, it's kind of hard to barter when you got a T-Rex chasing your ass. Hey, this here looks expensive, huh? Ah, my back is killing me. The view is killing me. What's Brookstone? Okay, so Brookstone... I actually worked in a Brookstone. Interesting. So, Alex, one of my friends... Uh, he, this, he used this line to describe Brookstone. He says, it's a place that has great stuff that you don't need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like one of those, um, I don't want to say novelty places, more like gadgets, I guess you could say. So all types of massagers, like that chair. They had like, got it. You got, it was 25 years ago, literally to this day. Cause I, it was 1997 and it was, um, only open seasonally, I think, at that that point in my mall for whatever reason. So I knew I'd only have a job for like two or three months. And I was like, uh, they just hired me as a manager because nobody else was there. <laughs> so like, I didn't even know what I was doing. I, I came right from like a, a burger joint and worked there. But um, yeah, so it was 25 years ago this month. Yeah, just stuff you don't need. Exactly the kind of things that you see in, in that store. Hard to like really describe it. I guess, yeah, gadgets is really all I could say. Things Josh like... Keys, like stuff you don't care about. The shiny things that attract people. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, have a, I have a foot massager thing I bought from there from years ago that I never really use. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that the chairs that they had in Brookstone were probably the most useful thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. But but most of the other gadgets, like it would be something like uh, like a glove that you like could plug in. It would warm your hand. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, <laughs> exactly. it's like you, you could you could use it. But, you know, practically, is it something you would come home to every night and like put it on? It was like stuff of that nature. <laughs> the thing that Al breaks when he goes in there, uh, which, again, that was another laugh out moment when he drops it. It that was great, but whatever that thing is, the the lights. That's more like stuff that's in Spencer's, though. That that like. But uh, you would put something like that right at the front to attract people into the store, and then introduce the massage chair. Yeah, but it had stuff like like a radio you put in your shower, things like that, like the the massagers that you turn on mm-hmm. and massage your back, certain kinds of headphones or whatever. Um, a radio you know, for your refrigerator. Yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> Things that seem like, oh, wow, that would be a great idea. And then you never use it. That's the kind of story. Yeah. Well, you want to know the company that was similar to? Do y'all, do y'all remember um, Sharper Image? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I would say Sharper Image and Brookstone were pretty uh, similar. Sharper Image, of course, went out of business, got it, 10 years ago or, or longer. Probably probably longer than that. But they're pretty similar. I mean, they massagers, foot massagers, you know, hand warmers, like Luigi said. Uh, shower radio stuff like that (laughs) 
Yeah, and even Sharper Image was uh, parodied on Married with Children. If you remember the Sharper Infant, oh, I, think yeah. going, I think going back to like season six, if I'm not mistaken. Sure was. Yep, six or five. Hey, I got some news for you, actually. Sharper Image is still around. There's just an online store now. Oh, I had no idea. That's yeah. Funny. That makes sense. Brookstone's on the line, too. So anyway. So Alan Griff are just amazed at this bartering thing, and they wonder why somebody didn't think about it thousands of years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way that was the way things worked, you know, uh, even up until recently in certain economies. To me, it's like it's like a writer put that word into uh, Al's mouth going like, why the heck didn't we come up with this idea a long time ago? He had more funding. This is a great idea for an episode. Let's show a bunch of different stores inside the mall. That was my idea, because once they started the bartering thing, I kind of perked up. I'm also with Steven. I haven't watched this one all the way through up until last night. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. I love a montage where we see different sets. That's one thing Married with Children, even in its declining seasons, is always good at. Different sets, different kitschy things. Every time we went back to Hurt and Bud, I was like, no, 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 no. Stay in the mall. I'm loving this mall stuff. And it kind of just unravels. Hey, how come this chair has a on and off switch? <laughs> because that is the Swedish Ecstasy 5000. This massage chair is so amazing, other massage chairs sit in it when they want to relax. <laughs> Some people say the Swedish Ecstasy 5000 is almost as good as sex. Oh, they're crazy. <laughs> It's much better. <laughs> we'll take it. Oh, well, that'll be $3,000. $3,000 for that? We can have actual sex with Swedish girls. Yeah. Yes. Well, maybe we couldn't, but, but some guys could. <laughs> well, that's another great feature of this chair. It'll never say no to you. Yeah. Spit on you. Call you shoe man. <laughs> oh, Lord, but. <laughs> or Spoonbill. But that only happened once. <laughs> My friend, you're in luck. We're in the barter business. Now, how many shoes would you take for this here chair? One, as long as there's $3,000 stuffed in it. <laughs> <laughs> We're both mall guys. What would you take for that chair? Well, it's too bad you guys don't work in the sporting goods store because I'd trade that chair for a set of graphite golf clubs. That can be arranged. <laughs> so we are introduced to the Swedish Ecstasy 5000, which is supposed to be the king of massage chairs. And it costs $3,000, which uh, the guys say that uh, actual sex with Swedish girls would, you know, should cost that much. <laughs> it would be 6000 today. <laughs> yeah, that's say In modern money, we're talking 5000 $564.69. That's American dollars. If you make the Australian dollars, you're talking $8,296.09. So, uh, yes, so a bit more today and probably still not enough money for Al and or Griff to have sex with a Swedish girl. Well, I will say that uh, it's, um, I mean, inflation the last uh, year and a half, Alex, you know, has really driven the prices up from when you were doing the... Uh, Oh yeah, uh, everything's all with Jamie. now. Yeah, forget those old shows. 
<laughs> and it's funny because they did that sitcom thing where they never really turned the chair on, but they just acted like it's on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they, they couldn't even add a buzzing sound. <laughs> never thought of that. This is nowhere near as good as the Simpsons episode, season three, episode oh, yeah. 24 of that show, where Homer tries to massage her and he's like, uh, and there's a fantasy <laughs> sequence. And at the end of the episode, his half-brother Herb, to thank him, I'll just buy you the dang chair. And at the end of the episode, his sperm is vibrating. Right. I mean, even Ed O'Neill couldn't act as good as Ed Bell when he got onto that vibrating bed when they went to Washington, D.C., right? You would have expected that. And the other thing, you know, also harking back to season six, Alex, on this episode that you reviewed with Stephen was uh, in the nudie bar. He says that, you know, five dollars is is too much for any girl. Right. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) These days, I think I don't don't, I'm only saying this because I went to a bachelor party. So don't look at me like a creeper. But so lap dances used to be twenty dollars, like (laughs) leading up to twenty twenty. And. I, I took this guy to his bachelor party in like 2020. Yeah, last year in November. And a lap dance, believe it or not, is $40 now. Wow. What? For, for a three minute song. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck with any of this. Like, <laughs> what prices are today? Or I don't know. So, for $40 for three minutes. So, let's see yep. here. If we do the math, <laughs> it would be if for an hour, that would be 800 bucks for an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of, of lap dances. So Damn. so if if you figure if, if somebody was listening to our podcast <laughs> from start to finish, it would probably be about sixteen hundred bucks. <laughs> right. I, I mean, uh, you pay a sixteen hundred bucks listener. I'll give you a lap dance. Right. Uh, I didn't need that visual, Tyler. All right, let's move on. Thank you, Luigi. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to make us some money. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This guy who's named Chris, who works at Smithstone, says that he'll take a pair of golf clubs in lieu of $3,000 in cash. They have to figure out where they have to go to the sporting goods store, right? So what do you say? I say I'll give you the clubs for 50 pairs of stiletto heels, size 12. Don't ask. <laughs> Who are we to judge? <laughs> and a push-up bra? Maybe we'll judge a little. <laughs> Deal! So they meet this guy named Larry, who wants, Larry. Uh, who wants uh, 50 pairs of stiletto heels, size 12. So I guess for the Australians... Like in European sizes, a 12 would be like a 44. <laughs> Here in Australia, we tend to use US sizes anyway, or UK sizes, which are, I think, US plus one. Okay. Yeah. yeah, about that. So we basically use US shoe sizes anyway, Luigi. All right. Okay. This Larry guy, he kind of was giving me a Phil Hartman vibe. Anybody else feeling that? Yeah. yeah a little bit. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. He was giving me a J. Edgar Hoover vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah de- definitely, definitely more of that. So, uh, you know, Al says... He finished you know, a J. Edgar Hoover jokes by this point, luckily. When he turns and goes, don't ask, I was like, oh, yep, that was written for Phil Hartman. Or don't judge. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, don't judge. 
even better. Don't ask. And Al's interesting, you know, because when we talked about uh, lesbian friends, like, you know, he seems very, I guess, uh, tolerant of it. But uh, when he asked for the push up bra, it's Griff who says, maybe we'll judge a little. (laughs) (laughs) So now we cut back to the living room and Bud is sprawled out on the couch. (laughs) Okay, now, Bud, can you feel this? No. <laughs> uh, all right. How about this? It's <laughs> good. That's good. It means it hasn't spread. Kelly, I'm in a lot of pain here. Oh, and I'm not. Do you have any idea what watching Oprah at this angle is doing to my neck? <laughs> Mommy, please call a doctor. Oh, what good's a doctor, bud? All they're going to do is stick you with needles and check your temperature. Speaking of which... (laughs) If you were a pot roast, you'd be done by now. Now, you know, it looks like Kelly's attempting acupuncture on Bud, but, like, he's stabbed with a pencil... Arrow. Arrow. Like, ski poles, I think, too. (laughs) It all looks awfully painful. He's got padding in there. You can see it when they move him to the table. Yeah. He's like, I can't feel. When he goes, I can't feel anything. Then they grab him. He goes, ah. And I'm like, wait, so you can't feel. Hmm. <laughs> well, Kelly points it out later. His legs. Right. You know, so I, I, it's just like, I, I, again, you know, this is such a cartoon at this point. I mean, it, it's so ludicrous. I mean, like it would have been one thing if she's if she's there with just the pins. And I've actually had acupuncture done on myself, but it's not like I mean, not like this. I mean, it's just a completely absurd. Yeah, I think the the comedy approach at this well, like the point for a while on the show was that we get how absurd it is. That's not the point. It's it's just a laugh like it's for a laugh it's here to make you laugh just enjoy whatever so i think they're thinking that like they know how absolutely stupid this is but they do feel it's funny enough to qualify to be go from script to to screen and that we should all just be like yeah well these are all our favorite characters and they're just doing wacky shit and it's like whatever and it's like yeah but that's fine, but this isn't good cartoon, though. <laughs> so I think that's what they're missing here. I can't think of a single instance where I laughed out loud in this episode. Right. I, I, I was cringing the whole time. Yeah, it's not funny. I mean, maybe when, when they stuff the dummy in the trunk, that's sort of funny. <laughs> but like, beautiful. yeah, that that's it, really. I mean, I don't know. Even like stopping the car and him going flying. It's not like no one's going to laugh at that. Right. I think it would have worked if it they had built it up at a slower pace. Uh, I mean, just at in a more incremental pace. Like if it had began with somehow Kelly making him lose feeling in his toes, and then he's like, "Should it be like that?" Sure, just give me one second, and then we cut back. Then it's his. Then he's like dangling off, and his like his leg, his one leg is gone. Then we come back, and it's more and more and more and more till it's more absurd. I feel like it went way too absurd, way too fast. We have the final reference to Oprah in this as well. 
that was the only thing I found mildly funny was Peg saying, this is hurting my neck watching Oprah from this angle. <laughs> oh, Peggy. It's like, grow up, Peggy. You're in a comfortable armchair that Archie Bunker, amongst others, would be envious of and would be would happy with. So just shut up and watch your bleed in Oprah. At least your TV's working this episode. <laughs> At least Kelly's trying to help. Right. In her yeah. own pathetic way. Yeah. I mean, like she has a thermometer in Bud and says, you know, well, if you were a pot roast, you'd be done by now. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, uh, uh, totally absurd. But anyway, so in comes Jefferson. And he's here to help. Don't worry, bud. I'm here to help. I've been in more massage parlors than anyone in the world. <laughs> All right, I think I have an idea. Put Bud on the table. All right. Why is what? No, I don't. Ah! <laughs> okay. Now what? Nothing. I just wanted the couch. <laughs> All right, bud. Here we go. Here we go. Now, this is a little something that I picked up in a massage parlor in the Far East. Well, actually, I picked up a few things in that massage parlor. <laughs> but this is one that I can pass on to you. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, now, bud, I am going to manipulate your vertebrae while twisting your neck clockwise. Here we go. Or was that oh. counterclockwise? <laughs> oh, God, now I can't move at all! Well, on the plus side, you, you clot well. <laughs> now, Jefferson says he's been in more massage parlors than anyone in the world, and I guess we would believe that. And Marcy's <laughs> paid for it. <laughs> I believe it. Never questioned it. According to him, he's learned some techniques. So now he does some work on Bud. And he says, this is uh, some technique from the Far East. And, you know, he twists. Uh, <laughs> he twists Bud. And like, I mean, again, it's just cringeworthy to see Bud like that just happen. I mean, of course, we know that it's all fake. But, geez, it's almost like uh, if you go back to Bud being neutered, it's like I, I think like all of all of the guys on the call here. Uh, would probably want to uh, protect their uh, crown jewels uh, when you when you hear that. And, it's, it's the foley work, like it's like someone's <laughs> crushing walnut shells. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway, the scene ends, and again, and now we have another scene change, and we're back in the shoe store, which is now devoid of shoes. Now, don't you think all this trading is getting a little out of hand? What do you mean? <sighs> Just a hunch. <laughs> Very simple, Griff. To get the chair, we had to get the golf clubs. To get the golf clubs, we had to get that push-up bra. To get the push-up bra, we had to give them the kayak and that apology for the detour through the fitting room. <laughs> now all we need to do is get this driving mower to the Gap and Mr. Zippy the Chimp to Hickory Farms. <laughs> I hope they don't let him roll the cheese logs. Why? I need a pair of shoes. What are you doing here? <laughs> you need shoes, you go to the Hallmark store. <laughs> and if you need patty holes, you gotta go to the beef bowl. <laughs> Good day. 
should be called Gary's Accessories at this point. <laughs> right. How many outlandish things have we seen in this episode now? <laughs> like, Al and Griff are literally going to clean out every shoe in the store for this uh, for this chair and all their bartering and everything. Like, I mean, come on. Surely they would know they would get fired for that if they got caught. <laughs> this whole scenario with Al and Griff reminded me of an old MASH episode called For Love of Boot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Hawkeye, you know, one of his boots has a hole in it. He orders new boots. It's been three months. And so he has to do all this wheeling and dealing. The supply sergeant needs a tooth pull, so they have to get a dentist, but he won't do it unless he gets to go to Tokyo. Henry won't sign it unless uh, the pass until Hawkeye can get Margaret off of his back. Margaret won't sign it unless, uh, or won't sign off on that unless uh, they throw Burns a birthday party. And in order to get all this done, it, it eventually ends up where everybody reneges everything that they did. And they, there was more that they had to do in order to do it. The big difference is this episode of MASH was a hell of a lot more fun. <laughs> Speaking of ludicrous, this whole entire episode is based in ludicrousy. No one is going to ask from any of these stores where the items are and there's no money to be found for the the lack of item like a three thousand dollar chair like no one's gonna say so where did the chair go oh well where's the receipt who'd you sell it to where's the money for it like oh well i have clubs that i'm putting around the store with it's like oh well okay that's great but what does that have to do with our stuff? Where is it? And then like 50 pairs of shoes are missing from Gary's. And like, let's just say it wasn't, you know, Gary. And they'd be like, well, where's all the shoes? And I have a chair, but it's like, but where's the money for the shoes? Like no one is asking for the money for any of these items. And it's okay that they're all just disappeared. And exactly. This is why the malls went under. (laughs) Everybody was stealing from everybody. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, even if you go like the mental, it's and and not only do they do this, but they did it in such an extreme way where it's such big ticket items that it's a major thing. And somebody would ask where this stuff is. It's just, I don't know. Now, one thing I'm going to point out uh, when we interviewed Harold Sylvester, you know, we did point out to him that he was in the last frame of of married children in terms of what was broadcast. He didn't know that fact. But what I found most interesting was that he said that he did not remember Mr. Zippy. So, you know, I feel like if I was on a TV show and you have a trained chimp, like and you have to do a scene with a trained chimp and he did more than one, I would have remembered that. Right. So and it's your last scene. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's surprising, too, because remember, he had such a chimp in a little suit. Yeah, he had such a great memory. (laughs) It's kind of surprising. You remember that? (laughs) Yeah. No, because it's like first, you know, Mr. Zippy comes out and gives Al the banana. Right. And goes back in. I mean, and Griff (laughs) is standing next to him. And then later on, we get to the final scene. So I, I would, that was the, the one thing I was just surprised at, for, you know, for a guy who could recall things from 50 years ago with such clarity. It's like, you don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I would have remembered, you know, if I had to work with a chimp, you know, for he's just day. that cool, Luigi. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a question to everybody in the room, this whole bartering system where it starts with like, Hey, I want this. Well, I'll give you this. If you get me that, well, Hey, I'll give you that. If you give me this, I have seen this in a ton of, of stuff throughout my life in cartoons in movies in picture books when i was like in first or second grade does anybody know where this idea started like wasn't an albert and costello like routine or something 
a silent it goes does it go all the way back to the silent film because i feel like this this idea like percolates through like decades of comedy well given that bartering goes back to ancient times probably does go back to the beginnings of comedy so probably probably goes back to you know comedy even back then i mean probably the first time a caveman got hit in the head by a rock thrown by some other caveman you know that was the beginning of comedy right not bartering <laughs> the bartering system but specifically this idea of following a chain of a thread of 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 exchanges through the lens of one individual wanting something just something as simple as in hey annabelle can i borrow a cup of sugar sure i'll give you this cup of sugar if you get me some thread hey luigi do you have some thread sure i'll give you this thread if you get me the blank and then it's kind of like the uh like like almost like a song you gotta like like a memory game you have to keep remembering who is exchanging what for what for what for what it just seems like i've seen that specific scenario a lot through my life. And that's what I was thinking with this, why it seems so familiar to me. You know, just to add to that, I mentioned the MASH episode. I, you know, I vaguely remember other TV shows doing this type of thing where you barter for something, barter for something else, barter for something else. I don't know where it got started, but it seems like it's just a trope for shows that run out of ideas. And quite often, <laughs> when they run out of ideas, what do they do? They go back to these old tropes. You know, a very common one is the evil twin idea, which was done to death, for example, on Gilligan's Island. Another good one is when two people swap personalities or become different people. You know, that's an old one. So, again, it's just writing, falling back on old tropes and formulas. Another one I, I noticed was, I forget what it's called, but it's when... It's usually done in flashback, usually two or three flashbacks, one where one person tells their side of the story, another person tells their side. Every time it's flashback with one person or the other is the good one and the other person is the bad one. Trilogy of errors kind of deal, yeah. Like I said, I think they just took an old reliable TV plot and we're going to do it with Mary with Children now. Well, you know, Chris, one of the things Chris has talked about is, you know, the show running out of gas. I feel like on this episode, it's like, you know, like when the family's pushing the Dodge into the garage. I, I think that's effectively like where we've gotten to. The show itself is the Dodge. Yeah, it is is the Dodge. Yes. We have references to the Gap and Hickory Farms, as well as Hallmark Store and the Beef Bowl. So, I mean, Hallmark Store and the Beef Bowl. I think a pretty self-explanatory, but uh, Chris, you want to tell us a little bit more about The Gap? The Gap Inc., commonly known as Gap Inc., or Gap, simply stylized as Gap, is an American worldwide clothing and accessory retailer. Gap was founded in 1969 by Donald Fisher and Doris F. Fisher and is headquartered in San Francisco, California. The company operates six primary divisions. Gap, which is the namesake banner, Banana Republic, Old Navy, Intermix, Hill City, and Athleta. Gap Inc. is the largest specialty retailer in the United States and is third in total international locations behind Inditex Group and H&M. As of September 2008, the company has approximately 135,000 employees and operates 3,727 stores worldwide, of which 2,406 are located in the United States. That's wild. I had no idea they had 135,000 employees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably shrunk. I mean, the info we had as of 2008. So 
I yeah. can imagine, uh, particularly with the pandemic, uh, some stores have yeah. closed. Yeah, probably. And Hickory Farms? Hickory Farms LLC is an American food gift retailer with headquarters in Chicago. Richard Ransom established the company in 1951 when he began selling handcrafted cheese at local fairs. By 1959, the company added summer sausage and opened its first retail store in Mammy, Ohio. <laughs> By 1981, it operated over 1,000 Hickory Farm stores and seasonal kiosks open in the United States and Canada. And you see them all over the malls and such in the month of December. <laughs> They're everywhere. Oh, yeah. So now we get these two cartoonish cops who come in. Al, are you sure this is going to work out? Trust me, I've thought of everything. Nothing can go wrong. Freeze! You're busted. <laughs> what did we do? You're in violation of mall code 274, illegal bartering. B bar bartering? <laughs> but who's bartering? <laughs> and what's all this merchandise doing here? Well, if you wipe the clearasil out of your eyes, officer. <laughs> You would have seen that the sign says Gary's shoes and accessories. See, all this stuff, they're accessories. A barbecue grill? Well, sure, maybe to you. But to a discriminating consumer, this is a um, foot warmer. All right, that makes sense. But what about this? That is... Um, that's for our customer lounge. I hate these cops, by the way. <laughs> these cops are like terrible. Cops, security guards. My, my first thought was, where the hell is Officer Dan? Exactly. Like, <laughs> Officer yeah. Dan would have been perfect for this. And second, why do they get these two Barney Fife-like cops, basically? I don't know. Something about the style just annoyed them. I mean, like, Officer Dan is goofy, you know, but he's funny goofy. <laughs> you need guys stupid enough that Al and Griff can uh, trick them. Yeah, there's funny goofy and then there's not funny goofy. These guys are not funny goofy. <laughs> the two mamelukes in, uh, in cop gear. Right. You overplay the part. It sucks because I enjoy Al and Griff, what they're doing. The way Al's like, I think you would know. Like, it, you, you, you would, if you had noticed outside, it says Gary's shoes and accessories like i i kind of loved his uh little con man thing and how griff just immediately goes to the piano i love them but you're right i did not like these security guard guys you know on top of that it's kind of like how security guards work i mean they would not be looking into something like that they would call the police in to look into something like that they stop petty theft and control mall traffic you know people in the mall but they're not going to be investigating crimes. They're just going to what I just said. Right. Out of their out of their lane big time. I mean, th these are worse than Paul Blart. Okay. <laughs> now, one thing is Al makes a crack at these guys being very young. So he makes a joke about Clearasil. So Annabelle, you want to tell us about Clearasil? So Clearasil is an American brand of skincare and acne medication whose products contain chiefly benazyl per peroxide sulfur and resorcinol, triclosan and salicylic acid as active ingredients. 
Clearasil has a wide range of products, both for rapid and sometimes slow acne treatment, and for everyday prevention. The products are marketed to customers worldwide. I think Annabelle deserves an award for being able to say all those chemical <laughs> compounds <laughs> properly. <laughs> it's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry with Children. Welcome to the shoe room, gentlemen. <laughs> Any requests? Come on, Bundy. Hey, 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 keep your voice down. There's no reason to shout. <laughs> Come on, we all work in the same mall. Why are you giving me the shaft? <laughs> uh, once takes five, little Stevie. We also have the reference as they're talking, you know, Griff goes over to it's really not a keyboard. I guess it's more of like a sound machine, I would say. It's an organ. Organ. All right. <laughs> what kind of organ? Griff is playing with his organ, okay? The only organ I want Griff to play with. Yeah. He's just going to sit there and play with his organ. Yep. This one. So when Griff puts on the glasses, he starts playing an instrumental version of Shout by the Isley Brothers. And... Al says to him, why don't you take five little Stevie? So he's saying he looks like Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Wait, they have on the sunglasses. Yeah, he had them on like before Al said anything. So it was just, it was perfectly Looney Tunes, almost like a, like a bug, uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck fighting against Elmer Fudd, where the, you'll set something up and then the other person will be already perfectly in character. Like they were reading each other's minds. Speaking of Stevie Wonder, a, a friend of mine uh, met him a few years ago, had him on his flight. He was super nice. He got his picture with him. Now, listen, I, I know that you guys are just doing your job, you know, between donut runs. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about a little payola, you know, a little greasing of the wheel, a little something for the widows and orphans fun. <laughs> no way, Bundy. We want free stuff. And... <laughs> Griff plays at the mall policeman's ball. <laughs> Vito. Well, as long as it's not on Saturday. See, I booked me a bar mitzvah. <laughs> There's also like these jokes. You always hear like, uh, it's like these comedians say, like they maybe perform something and says, yeah, and I do wedding and bar mitzvahs and something like that. So they, they threw in this like very stock joke at the end. Griff says, you know, see, he's booked to do a bar mitzvah. So I... I Again, it's like that doesn't that's not very married with children ish to me, right? I'm here till Tuesday. It's Shrek humor. Yeah, it's something like that. So now we cut back to the situation with Bud, and they are in the garage trying to get him into the Dodge. Oh, stop that! Come on, Bud. You have to cooperate, or we're not gonna take you to the chiropractor. <laughs> are you sure he's good? Of course he's good. His office is in the mall. Okay. There you go, buddy. This should work. Need I remind you people that we have to go through a tunnel? Someone's cranky. All right. Let's put him in the trunk. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. No, no, no. That's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. Yes, it is. Now, come 
Come on, bud. You didn't mind going in the trunk when we had to go to the drive-in or grandma's or California. <laughs> His legs are moving. Ugh, you big faker. <laughs> All right, look, I have a better idea. Take him out of the trunk. All right. All right. Come, on. Uh, Come on, bud. Oh, jeez. Let me just say something on this one. How absurd this one is because Bud is sitting across both the passenger and the driver's seat with his uh, feet out one window and his head out the other one. How the hell are they going to drive him there? I mean, he rightfully says, may I remind you, we have to go through a tunnel. And and number one, also, David Faustino's not that tall. So that's also not, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not possible. Probably not. But anyway, I was like, how are you going to get someone in the car to drive it? That's in the way. Now, with his head sticking out on the driver's <laughs> side window, he says they have to go through a tunnel. Now, Annabelle, what is that reminiscent of? That might. Uh, remind us all of the Christmas episode earlier this season. If you recall when Bud and Kelly steal Marcy and Jefferson's statues and the head of Joseph then becomes, later becomes embedded in the wall of the Dan Ryan tunnel. <laughs> Done funny every freaking Christmas, but here it's just, just a random line, I think. Now there's this cartoonish physical comedy that occurs with trying to get Bud into the trunk. Uh, actually, what, one one line I do want to point out, uh, when we had to go to the drive-in to Grandma's of California, so technically the family did go to California once, at least uh, when uh, Kelly does Hollywood. So we, I guess we tend to, we, we're led to believe that Bud rode in the trunk. Beavis <laughs> and Butthead did it. By the way, do you guys ever read uh, on IMDb where uh, people enter in like the goofs or like mistakes of the episode? Do you guys yes. ever read that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I love them. Yes. Someone put on there for a goof on this episode. Somebody put that when they throw Bud in the trunk, you can tell it's a dummy. I'm like, oh, no shit. I'm like, dude, <laughs> shit. Like, it's the they're one good. thing I will, I will compliment this episode on that. Do you really think they're going to throw David Faustino in a trunk and slam his legs in the door? <laughs> of course it's a dummy. Twist one of his <laughs> around, yeah. Like, one of my notes was. At some point, everybody in the production of this episode decided we are going to throw this obvious dummy into the trunk and we're all cool with it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't count that as a, as a goof, though. Like, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Steven, do you think when they when Bud was done with that trip that he got into Todd's gang? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a be as a butthead joke, guys. Yeah. <laughs> question guys how much realistic question i would bet every bit of money i make from this at this podcast which is none that david faustino has this dummy in his house or in storage well of course he had isis for years <laughs> <laughs> when you want to keep a dummy made of yourself i think no. it does have it you don't have to pay me for the episode i want the dummy <laughs> well, if if you recall, when we interviewed Harold Sylvester, Harold said that he did not, he had the dummy, but 
I guess uh, it gotten thrown away. Jefferson said that he, he never asked for the dummy, but he should have because there was a, in one of the reunion specials I mentioned that. Interestingly, not everybody kept the dummies. And I think there was even a Bob Rooney dummy that Ed Bell talked about. I think Ed said that he did have it. That's so cool. Like it's just <laughs> hey, it's a great idea. Tie him butt to the roof. You said tie him to the roof? Yeah. I thought you said put him in a tie. <laughs> oh no. Slow down. What'd he say? I think he said stop. Okay. We actually see the Dodge in motion, and this is actually a historic scene to me because we've never seen a view from inside the Dodge looking out the windshield because you actually see the dashboard and you can actually see that the dashboard is blue and it's also all cracked like, you know, the cars from that era had dash pads. So I, I'm trying to think. I don't think we've ever seen a scene like that, you know, when when sort of Bud's head is over the windshield. I don't know, maybe Annabelle or Alex, maybe if you could think about that. But I, I don't think, I think that's uh, very unique no. to this, right? I think so. I was just distracted by how lame it was. And again, and look at the, and look at the dialogue out there. It says, uh, it says, I... I thought you said, you know, you said, did you tie him to the roof? I, said, I thought you said to put him in a tie, right? That's very yeah, Abbott and Costello. Those two things mixed up, yeah. That was lame. I thought you said put him in a tie. <laughs> yeah, cute bow tie, though. Yes. So, you know, and actually Peg's driving the car. That's another thing, right? I mean, you don't yeah, see that, that very often. Yeah, yeah, He slams on the brakes and away goes Bud. And, you know, he's busted up even more. Why would you stop like that on a Chicago highway? <laughs> because they just don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like the, 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 this writing, like every execution, everything about it just reeks of we just don't care. Oh, exactly. They're throwing <laughs> shit on the wall, hoping it'll stick. Anything. It doesn't matter. Nothing. All you have to do is say red light. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah there could have work. been a million reasons to stop the car. <laughs> you could have had almost like someone stopping short in front of him. Yeah, like, I mean, like, make it make it not as obvious, but oh, well. <laughs> Mom, that's a red light. And then she slams in. He goes flying. So easy. <laughs> yeah, and then she goes, oh, no, it was green. I got yeah. my colors wrong. Like some anything, you know, <sighs> even better. <laughs> So now we cut back into the shoe store and there is a very attractive blonde using a busticizer and they're trying to highlight that in the scene. Well, I hope you enjoy your busticizer. I sure have. The only interesting scene in the whole show. Yeah. Uh, She's not credited, I guess, because she has no lines. I was trying to figure out if it was one of the uh, guest stars on the episode, but it I doesn't look like it. She was like, she's like, please pay me. Do you want to be credited? Nah, please pay me, though. Well, they should have just credited her body parts then, right? <laughs> <laughs> she got to keep that buster sizer. 
<laughs> right, at least somebody kept something from this episode, right? <laughs> Al, your chair is here. Gary's shoes. Well, Gary's. <laughs> Hello, chair. <laughs> Al, we're in big trouble. It was Gary. She found out that Retro is in and she wants all the shoes back. But we gave all those shoes away. Calm down. Calm down. This is all your fault, Griff. <laughs> My fault? <laughs> this was all your idea. Now, let's not place blame here. <laughs> How are we going to get the shoes back? Well, we've got to trade for everything back, including the chair. Not the chair. Al, what good is a massage chair going to do you in prison when a guy named Lava Joe has just made you his bride? <laughs> So the phone rings and Griff's picks up and find out that it's Gary on the on the phone. And <laughs> she found that that retro was in and she wants all the shoes back. And the thing is that that's not really set up in the beginning. Like, in other words, you really don't. Why would they care? But they should have made like a reference. It's like, oh, you know, these shoes are old. Who needs them or something like that? Like, in other words, you could have almost set it up that it would have justified Al doing all the trading. Right. Yes. I mean, more clearly, it, it, the, the language was very unclear. So this is what makes it, again, even more absurd. You know, we've talked about, like, for example, Alex, in the England episodes, when we get to England 3, mm. it's like the, the continuity of the episode itself was broken. Like you know, I said, remember, I just said at that time, I was like, it just doesn't make any sense how you started with one premise of, like, I guess, operating facts. It's like, well, you know, you have this curse you have these are the aspects of the curse and then all of a sudden you get to the end and it's like that really doesn't um, right you know solve the like go back to yeah the, i remember that it just kind of just fell away right and 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 that's the same thing here it's like well what was really tying this together i mean they highlight the bartering but it's like you could have set up why the bartering was happening and maybe establish some rules that would make it funnier hmm. right mhm i i i don't know yeah the England show really imploded on itself in, in one aspect that I realized after Alex and Dan and Jamie reviewed it. And I realized, why would anybody stay in that town? They would all be moving out. Right. right. That would have solved the problem a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, but you know what it is? But the British love tradition. That's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, the quandary is they need to get everything back. So now we go back into Smithstone. Ooh, I love this store. What about the chiropractor? Bud, you saw those prices. We're not made out of money, you know. Oh, look, a titanium shower head. Oh, and it's only $400. I'll take it. <laughs> this is the worst day of my life. Well, I guess it's okay to tell you that Delta Burke called and she, uh, she fired you. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh doesn't get any lower than that. <laughs> hey, bud, you know what I do when uh, I'm feeling blue? I tan my troubles away. Oh, that's a good idea. There you go, sweetie. There you go. I don't know if this is such a good idea. See, I'm I'm fair-skinned. Foosball. Best three out of two? You're on. Okay. 
when we go back into the store, so now Peg is there with Bud and Jefferson and Kelly. Place like Smithstone is is up Peg's alley because uh, <laughs> look, uh, there's there's a joke. It was very subtle. Peg says, "Look, a, t- a titanium shower head." Oh. Wow! I thought you were going to say there was a boar's head in there. I thought you were going to say it's a useless place to waste your money on. (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't afford a chiropractor. Well, I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, Peg's Mel Gibson showerhead, right? Oh, yeah. So titanium is supposed to be stronger than steel, right, Uh, Annabelle? (laughs) You know, they could have got that the talking showerhead that I invented for the podcast. (laughs) now we have uh, two other callbacks in this scene again delta burke again is mentioned and she fires bud and then there's also when they put bud into the into the tanning bed jefferson says to kelly hey look foosball so that's then a callback to lesbian friends uh, which is uh (laughs) which uh chris and i reviewed which was filmed uh, afterwards, by the way. This scene bothered me so much because, again, we talked about the lunacy. It's this would work only if I truly believed that Jefferson thought that tanning would help in any way, shape, or form. The fact that they immediately forgot about him and went and played foosball, that's just them. But it seemed like up to this point, as stupid as everything they're doing is, it does seem like they are with the exception of Peg, legitimately trying to help Bud. They're just making it worse. Now it looks like we're just going to be mean. And it kind of broke the whole, even the tiniest bit of reality around it. Like you lost the bit. Yep. There's a bit of reality around this? I mean, um, yeah, like not very with children (laughs) reality. They lost lost the bit. Like you dropped your bit. like, I was going with it up until that point. Now you're just, let's make him worse. So you're recognizing you're fucking up. Okay. Mm, I don't like Hey, Bundy. Love the clubs. Hey, that's good. Give them back to us. No way. They've taken eight strokes off my game. No, but see, we traded back everything we traded for for the chair. Even Mr. Zippy the Chimp, who didn't want to go? <laughs> And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm going to miss the little Phil. <laughs> so be a pal. Help us out. But we're not pals. I don't like you. <laughs> but I like you. <laughs> Beat it. Well, inside that same Smithstone scene... Now, uh, Chris talks to Al, talk, tell him about how much he loves the clubs. And then now Al's trying to figure out how to get the clubs back so he could trade everything to get all the shoes back. He sees Peg in the store, and we find out that Bud's in trouble. Hey, Peg, what are you doing up? Well, <laughs> one of us has to be an attentive parent. Bud is in serious trouble. He's... <laughs> He's burning. <laughs> Sorry, bud. We, uh... Oh, we kind of lost track of time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh. But, uh... Gee, you... You look great. You smell like chicken. Bud boy? 
Dad? Dad? They're trying to kill me, you know? Welcome to my world, son. <laughs> All right, what did you do to the boy? Well, I massaged him and, and now he can't walk. You massaged him and now he's paralyzed. One touching thing about the scene is that Al actually shows some care for his son. Like where Peg is just like, she's just there to say she's the attentive parent. But actually, Al is somewhat smart enough to say, it's like, hey, I need to do something for my son. So I appreciate that. Yeah, because, Dad, they're trying to kill me. I felt the same way about the writers watching this. Yeah. And he go, but yeah, Stephen, when he says that, and then Al's like, welcome to my, does he say like, welcome to my world? Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. Again, that literally sounds like that was from a different script, like where the script was Al and Bud. I don't even know where they were going with that, with the idea, whereas they're treating Bud like Al, but only with the hurting him. Like Peg should be stealing money from from his pockets or something like that. Like it, it seemed like they wanted us to believe that that's the whole point of the Bud thing was that they were treating him like Al. Not really. They were just hurting him. Great. I got a good idea. Help me here. Here, bud. Come here, son. Wait, wait, what are you guys doing? Don't worry about uh, it. Get, we'll him him him. get him over to the chair. Come on over here. Uh, Easy, uh, boy. There. Uh, Attention, mall shoppers. You see what this chair did to my only son? It paralyzed him. And it, and it, it burned him. <laughs> Cut him down in his prime. All thanks to this evil chair. What the hell are you guys trying to pull? I'm trying to save my sorry son's life. Hey, Dad, I think I'm starting to be able to move here. All right, all right. Take the clubs. Just get the hell out of here. Come on, Griff, let's go. A pleasure doing business with you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> So Al, you know, who sometimes can be really stupid, in this case, actually somewhat smart, and he shows his street smarts, they get Bud into the chair, and then he figures he spreads some false, you know, being like a, be a shill, but like a bad kind of shill to get people to want to not shop in Smithstone anymore. You got to remember also, Bud's been burned from being in that uh, tanning bed. It smells know, like so, chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, and he gets in the chair and he actually says he's able to start moving. And this is where it becomes mean. So now, because Al needs the the chair uh, traded, it's like, it's almost like he breaks his spine, right? <laughs> With his hand. <laughs> yeah, that was actually the, the funniest part of the episode, I think. Probably. It's just very dark. But still cringeworthy. Like, oh. <laughs> now the entire family has contributed. Yeah. Pretty much. And then we have to end with a little bit of comic relief. <laughs> My skin is fried. Uh, well, here, maybe, maybe this will cool you off. Huh? <laughs> That's not going to work. Here. No. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. That, that, that felt real good. Bud says that his skin is fried, and 
Kelly squirts him with a fire extinguisher. Twice. (laughs) (sighs) I have to tell you, though, when I'm watching this and I'm getting frustrated and upset at the writers. Yeah, I thought there were a couple of funny lines, but I still didn't laugh because I was just so angry about this episode and how they it was constructed. I just have to say that. Yeah. Hmm. So now we cut back to the shoe store and we're almost at the end of this godforsaken episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. The guys throw jump all the shoes in there and they're exhausted and in comes Gary. Well, just as I suspected, you two slugs haven't moved a muscle since I left. (laughs) Jeez, you guys could get some exercise. It's just that your beauty has left us breathless. (laughs) Well, you have to wait in line because I met a special someone on that cruise. He's picking me up here. I just need a minute to make myself pretty. She's going to need a little bit more in a minute, huh? Hey, Al, you sure you cleared all the stuff back there? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> That's one desperate little chimp, huh? Griff is the one who compliments Gary. It says, it's just that your beauty has left us breathless. <laughs> and uh, she says that she needs to go make herself pretty. So I guess she goes into the, instead of going to the bathroom, because the bathroom has always been on the right side of the store. When you're looking at the scene, she goes into the storeroom on the left. And I know we've talked about, you know, the size of the shoe store through the years. So she gets chased out by Mr. Zippy. And we're left with, well, that's one desperate chimp. Isn't uh, Zippy the name of the squirrel or something in Marcy's yard that Al yes. collapsed on? Yep. 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 That's Good right. Yep. That. I forgot about that. In season seven. Another repeat name. Huh. I've got a question. Uh, Gary's just been on a cruise, right? Yeah. How, how many days have passed? I mean, all this shoe stuff and all this massage stuff, that's all taking place in one day, right? Yes. Well, may, I don't know about the shoe stuff so much, but all the bud torture stuff, that's all in one day. I mean, how many days have now passed since then? And Gal and Griff are wearing the same clothes. I mean, yes, they can, <laughs> but, but I'm confused. I mean, it feels like one day has passed, but Gary's been on a cruise. A cruise is, you know, at minimum a week, depending where she went. But <laughs> I just... I, I know I'm, I'm yeah. asking questions of an episode that won't provide me answers. Doesn't Griff say when she calls that like her like trip got cut short or something like that? Yeah, probably. But like, it's more than one day passed. Hmm. That's what I I'm mean, confused. I, I, I mean, in real time, it's going to take a lot of time to do all of that work. Yeah. But it's coinciding with Bud getting tortured. Right. Yeah, just to move all the shoes out of there and to get all that stuff in the store and then to get all that stuff back where it belongs. How could they do that in an eight-hour day? They were out of breath, so they were running. So yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's all. You, that's it. Even more, it was done in, in twenty-four hours. Yeah. yeah, I don't. 
I'll I think I'm shouting to the wind here, but yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Another feature of season 11 is we have this. Uh, Don't go away. We'll be right back. Yeah. And we have this very, very final scene. And Al and Griff are on, are on the couch in the shoe store. And in comes Mr. Zippy dressed up exactly like Al. I told you I'm in a hurry. And I just want to make a comment. The woman who is who's waiting for the shoes, I believe this is Gita Isak, who plays Gloria. I mean, I had to think about who the character was. Now, what's interesting about her is she did a lot of voiceover work in Married with Children. Annabelle, I don't know if you know more info on her. No. <laughs> Based on IMDb. All the way back in season one in Thinergy, she's the voice of Patsy. <gasps> oh, okay. Yes. She also uh, did Al's mom's voice back in season four, episode 22. She was the voice of Mrs. Higginbottom in uh, Tooth or Consequences. The radio psychologist, I guess, Dr. Sandy in Oldies But Youngins. <laughs> so she's been a bit player. She also played a motorist in Will Follow the Sun in season five. She played Melba in If Al Had a Hammer in season six. In High IQ, she has the voice of a woman uncredited, as well as the Goodbye Girl in season six. In season seven, What I Did for Love, she's neighbor number one. Again, all voice work, Till Death Do Us Part in season seven, episode 22. In season nine, in I Want My Psycho Dad, she's the porn actress voice. <laughs> as well as the one who's screaming in user-friendly season nine, episode 23 in season 10. She's the Ge jeopardy guest voice and episode Dud bowl Two, the agony and the extra C. She's the soap actress voice and mm. butt hits the book. She's the giggler and kiss of the coffee woman. She's the stage manager. So she's had a very long career. This is her only on-screen um, credit. Now it's, it says that she was on screen, but mostly voice work. So I thought that was very interesting. Okay. Cause as I was looking at the, at the guest stars, it's like wondering, it's like, okay, well, who are they? And you know, what have they done? Uh, you know, what's notable that they've done. And that was, I found very interesting. Here we are. Final scene. The chimp puts his hands down his pants, just like Al. Al actually looks into the camera. Griff looks over at the chimp. And we have this final scene. My notes on this are this. So with that, season 11 comes to an end. 10 years, two months, and four days after the pilot episode first aired. And we saw Al with his iconic hand down his pants, you know, sitting next to Mr. Zippy the Chimp, who's doing the exact same thing. One of the things that's interesting is that there's a meme that's been going around about Ed O'Neill reading the same newspaper for 20 years. If you look at the newspaper in that scene, there's a, a scene of Al in Modern Family reading that exact same newspaper. <laughs> so I wonder uh, if he just kept that as a prop and brought it back. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh. Well, it, it, it's, it's a newspaper that's been seen in several shows and movies. So it's just somebody on the Sony lot or whatever has just 
brought out the same prop. You can just recognise it by the picture of the woman on the back of the newspaper. But, yeah, somebody pointed out, just happened to find that shot from this episode and that shot from Modern Family and say, oh, look, it's the same paper. And he knows, he's aware of this meme as well. So I think it was George Takei, of all people, he posted a picture of Ed O'Neill holding up an iPad with this meme on it. It's amazing the stuff the internet can notice and and, and stuff, you know. <laughs> Big shout out yeah. to George Takei's Twitter account. He's he's a he's a really voracious and funny tweet Twitter. Oh yeah, he's great, and I I, I almost met him a few weeks ago. So again, so this ends the run of Married with Children, and as I as I mentioned at the beginning, this was uh, June 9th of nineteen ninety seven. The last thing that I'll, I'll say on this before we get to the reviews is that we saw absolutely no new footage of the show until June 18th of 2002 when FX aired the lost episode entitled I'll see you in court. And that was five years and nine days after this episode aired. And if you go back to I'll see you in court, which was reviewed by Alex back in season three, that episode was taped on January 6th of 1989. So it took 13 years, five months and 12 days to finally air that episode, which I think is probably some sort of television record. I think it is. I did look it up and I was like, is it any longer? Because the only one that came to mind was a lost episode of Doctor Who that was partially filmed in 1979, but because of technician strike, they didn't finish it. It's named uh, Sharda. But they, even that didn't take as long as I'll see you in court to be released to the public in a um then that took twelve years, not thirteen. Did you say it aired on January sixth? Taped on January sixth because it never aired. And then finally in two thousand two it it finally aired. So I just thought it was interesting in case this aired on <laughs> you know, the same date that this is airing. Oh, that's right. That's right. It would have been taped. So actually on the date that this is released, uh, we're talking, what, 34 years later? Yes. No. Uh, yeah. uh, 89. That's yeah. right. So so that brings us to the end of our episode review. And we do encourage you after you finish listening to this podcast episode to go back and listen to the I'll See You in Court episode. And that actually is the the Married with Children timeline. You know, uh, real quick, I just wanted to say, I'll see you in court when I watch that now compared to uh, what they were showing, you know, back in season three, with, and they got in trouble with, the, or they didn't get in trouble, but Ricolta got really upset and put and helped put the show up there. I think that one was pulled probably because of that, of that backlash, I think. Yeah, because her cups runneth over would have been seen a couple of weeks prior. Yeah, which I thought was <laughs> wish the batteries even more, way more. Yeah, and because uh, they also had to censor the camping show at the beginning of the season, not because of Rakulta, but just because of their censorship in general. And that's why the show eventually moved from 8.30 to 9, 9 o'clock on Sunday nights. So when Rakulta did her thing, I think the Fox censors or Fox somebody said, saw this episode saw what it was about said okay we cannot show this so that's why it just never got shown but of course it got shown here and it's and it's world premiere is is well according to bundyology at least is unknown but probably very early 90s possibly even in australia but i 
I wouldn't remember. Sorry. I would say probably either in Australia or maybe Germany. Yeah, yeah Germany or, or late at night in England. Yeah, uh, pro- probably probably Australia or Germany over the UK because I know Australia did get married to children before the UK at least. Mm. It's aired very late at night in the UK, so they might have shown it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. And we're back. So, Chris, how many desperate little chimps do you want to date and review this episode? <laughs> well, I, I gave it a I gave it a great deal of thought. You know, as should come as no surprise, this is certainly not not one of my favorite episodes. The writing is not great. You know, we've spoke about that quite a bit in season eleven. Uh, it feels like the new writers really don't know the characters very well. Nor do they uh, understand the show. In this particular episode, in particular, they rely on a lot of TV tropes. You know, we've touched on that. Uh, they don't do a very good job of them. Of it, it's like almost all parodies. You know, between Sharper Image and Brookstone and and everything else we touched on in the episode, and um, you know, everything they it, it, w- w- one of the one of the other things that I've noticed a lot in season eleven is they they have a good idea but they don't execute it well. If that makes sense. I mean, the the idea of bartering is not a bad idea. It's just the writing for this was not good. And um, the delivery wasn't good. Uh, We, as we pointed out earlier, we missed Amanda Burse. You know, she's not directing this episode. So I can't figure out why Marcy wasn't in the episode. Pretty much everything they did with Bud was uh, cringeworthy. (laughs) It was just not funny. It was uh, over the top. Looney Tooney, slapstick, whatever you want to call it. And the really sad thing about this to me, you know, we, as we all know, you know, Married with Children never really got a, uh, a final episode, you know, and we've all heard the stories of the actors finding out the show being canceled on their vacation and, and what have you. But it's just like, it's, it's upsetting. Uh, you know, I, if I had to sum it up with one phrase, it would be a, a sad, tragic ending to my favorite show of all time. If they wanted to cancel the show, they could have stuck by, you know, their decision to cancel the show, but brought everybody back for one final episode and do it right. But uh, at any rate, this episode, I gave it a great deal of thought. I try to stay consistent. You know, I, I give all the spinoffs ones, I think, except for Radio Free Troop Maine. I think I gave that a 1.5. But the other two spinoffs, I gave a, I gave a one. And I usually give the really bad episodes a 1.5. But... This one in particular is so bad, I think I'm going to give it a one as well. So I'm going to say one, what is it, desperate chimp waiting to date? Is that where we're going with? Desperate chimp I, willing I, to date. Willing, <laughs> willing to date. Yeah, I'm going to go with one out of five on this one. So I guess uh, we only need a handful of chimps, I think, uh, this uh, uh, for this review. All right. So Annabelle, how many desperate little chimps do you want to date in reviewing this episode? <laughs> 
well, like Chris, I went back and forth a little bit on score, but I eventually settled on something because there's not a lot to really pick apart, analyze, whatever, whatever, because the episode is just so poor and it makes me sad. It's sad that it's a, it's the final episode. So you, I mean, unless you experienced it in real time and hadn't seen the last show, as we said, it's the last episode you're ever going to see of Married to Children. That's new. And I'm sad that people regard it as a, as the final episode, which it technically is, I suppose, but it was not designed to be the final episode. It's barely designed to be an episode. So I'm, it just the whole whole thing just leaves me with a bit of a sour taste and the episode itself is there's a couple of chuckles here and there and I can't really tell you what you just I just sit through the episode I'm like oh okay yep cool so thinking about season 11 it's very up and down it's all over the place and there's a lot of episodes that aren't great I don't I think this is the worst episode of season 11 is it the worst episode ever? No. <laughs> I think that uh, honor goes to a certain spinoff in season 10. And for that one, I gave literally half a point. So for this episode, I'm going to just give it one. That's all I, that I'm, I'm just going to have one desperate little chimp that I'm willing to date for this episode, whether or not it's the chimp at the end of the episode whatever i mean it's a cute frame to end the episode with but i just i just don't like this episode at all uh yeah that's about all i can say really okay very good so Stephen, how many desperate little chimps do you want to date interviewing this episode i give this one very little thought because it's obvious the writers didn't put much thinking into it i forgot who mentioned about execution that's one of the biggest sins of writing is you have to have a good idea. You need to execute it well because uh, that's you need to have an ending in mind. Let me just say this. The monkey at the end was the only funny part, but I didn't laugh because this whole episode, it made me angry. Remember, I said I'd never seen this fully from beginning to end in one sitting. I only caught bits and pieces of it. The writing on this one was horrible. Like I said earlier, they were just throwing shit on the wall and hoping it'll stick. I probably hate this more than enemies. I hate it more than everybody at his birthday. Barely, man. Kelly breaks out top of the heap in a babe in Toyland. I've got a lot of favorite TV show sitcoms, you know, ranging from Happy Days to uh, Home Improvement and MASH and WKRP. And of all the finales and series that I've ever seen, this one is the worst ever. I'll think to myself, whoever hired these producers and writers, they're complicit in this debacle. They had no connection or understanding of the characters or even the caricatures they had become as cartoons. In the last three or four seasons, and then it culminates to this. And it made me wonder, did Michael Boyer, Ron Levitt, the actors in the crew, were they cringing at this? I sure would be. I think the fans deserved a hell of a lot better than this horror piece of shit. This episode gets nothing for me. Okay. No chimps. No chimps. And hold back, Stephen. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Of uh, course, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. <laughs> 
All right. So, Matt, how many uh, desperate little chimps do you want to date in reviewing this episode? Okay, Luigi. So, uh, well, this episode was definitely not one of my favorites, both in season 11 and the entire 11 seasons of the show. Okay, so for me, it feels very unfinished, almost as like they stitched two scripts together, had one script but didn't fully flesh it out. Uh, we're just struggling to come up with ideas. They didn't care anymore. They could have been a number of things. I don't know. But just for whatever reason, it feels very unfinished, thin plots, no Marcy. Jokes that fell flat for most of it. I mean, I like the opening scene, uh, the very start with Gene, the del- del- delivery girl, and uh, get 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 Gary um, sneaking, sneaking up and down Griff. Uh, and there were some other f- vaguely funny moments. Uh, but honestly, uh, when I first watched this back in 2008, so I've seen this episode four times now. Okay, firstly in 08, secondly in 2016, thirdly in 2020, and, well, 2022. So even back then, in 2008, I felt ripped off this is the final episode of um, one of my favourite shows, thinking, this is the end? What? How dare... I mean, I, I was actually angry at the following year when My Name is Ill came to an end, and that had an even worse ending, in my opinion, because it ended on a cliffhanger where, you know, if I remember rightly, you were going to find out who the dad of L Jr. was, and oh, I was so angry. Uh, but back to Married to Children, they could have made one more episode, like they could have with My Name is Ill 12 years later, you know, just they could have made one more episode just to type the show properly, please your fans, you know, would have brought higher ratings, higher praise, uh, would, would, would nice way to go out, um, heck, get Steve back, get some, um, get some um, other people back, but anyway, uh, but yeah, so I'll just say one and a half desperate little chimps I'm willing to date for this rather train record episode, but still better than what the one I gave for enemies. Just my yeah. two cents. Okay, so one and a half chimps. So that's the highest score so far. Wow, I feel like I'm uh, at a baseball game, you know, counting balls and strikes here. Woo. Okay, so Tyler, how many desperate little chimps do you want to date in review of this episode? <laughs> oh, desperate little chimps that I will date. It's funnier every time I hear it. Okay, so I'm kind of glad that I'm going last because, well, second to last, third to last. It's, hearing everybody else has kind of helped me formulate my thoughts better. So with this episode, I kept thinking if it wasn't the season series finale, what would I give it? And I probably would have given it a two two little chimps out of five and it's the same way i rate my movies on letterbox they have a five star system we use a a five system and when i rate a movie at two that literally means it's fine it's whatever like i'm not appraising it if uh if you have to pay money to watch it i'd be like you probably skip it but if it's on watch it whatever i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna go like oh this episode screw that but because yeah, there it's it's fine. There's there's nothing cool about it. There's nothing innovative about it. It's whatever. But just like if I was grading a paper and a student forgot to fill out the back. Now, some reviewers, some graders might be like, "Hey, you forgot to fill out the back. Fill this out, and then I'll grade it." Me? No. 
that shows you weren't paying attention to the test and you didn't check out your work. So I'm going to grade this paper based on the fact that you didn't do the last work. Now, was the rest of your work a failure? Probably not. You might have gotten an A, but you, unfortunately, you got a C because you forgot that that last right. So I'm going to grade it like this. They knew what they were doing. They made this the series finale. I agree with Amanda. I, I mean, I agree with Annabelle. This is not, this shouldn't be a series finale, but it is. And maybe the creators and the, the stars just didn't care. Well, they're on, that's on them for not caring. That's on the producers for greed, for okaying this. That's on whoever decided that this should air. And when it did, the show was not a one season kind of hit that got dropped for something else. The show had 11 seasons. The show had more than a decade on be, uh, entertaining the American population and, and the overseas population as well. It deserved better than this. So I'm going to grade this as a series finale. And I've watched a lot of series finales lately, and they mean something. This didn't mean anything. This meant nothing to anybody. It was a bunch of gags that and pep that really just had no connective tissue to it. And peppered through it were little flakes of happiness, little tiny moments of resonance with a show that I loved so much that, you know, I've, I didn't think we could do this. I've only done this with one movie, and that's the movie Cats. <laughs> I'm giving this zero. I'm dating zero chimps. Like, failure from beginning to end. As a series finale, I'm like, this is pathetic. I need to see your parents after school. Because obviously you and your parents at a conference, because obviously you're not you're not doing your job right. Children, you're doing something wrong. And this is unacceptable. All right. Zero chimps. So I think what most of our fans are going to know the next opinion. So, Alex, how many desperate little chimps do you want to date in reviewing this episode? Um, <laughs> well, see, I'm not looking at this the same way everybody else is, because. I'm not I'm not giving it the investment of um, the the season or the series finale because it it's not really a series finale episode. It's just the end of a season episode. So we used to say things like, was this a good end to a season? We used to say stuff like that when I used to review the show. And um, that's all this is, because it's not like you got to remember they found out they weren't coming back on vacation and stuff like that. So it's not like this is an actual series finale. So I'm not giving it that much weight. So to me, it could be any ep episode in, in the show, or at least it's a finale, like I said, but I don't know at, at the point where this, where the show was when this came out and in 1997 and all that stuff, you got to take all that into account. And, you know, we're far from the days of, you know, he thought he could and the shot, the shopping uh, episode where they grabbed all the groceries and all that. Like we're, we're nowhere near that. They survived season seven and everything changed from eight to 11. It was just totally different. 
And at that point, you know, people weren't even getting along. I mean, it was almost a miracle. These episodes were even made in season 11 as uh, Amanda told us in the interview and stuff. And she said, if you were, if you were there, you would know that there would be no season 12 just because of the tensions or whatever was going on at the time. So taking all that into consideration, I mean, it's, it's not much worse than a lot of not great episodes in nine, 10 and 11. It's the same old slapstick, the dummies, the outlandish, you know, even, even Jefferson falling through the wall and finding 70 shoes. And then it being all that, like that is just as crazy as this. I mean, it's, it's not really that different. So like, I, I just don't, I don't have that investment to be that upset about it or to think of it as how can you end the show like that? You know? So to me, this is just a two out of five. I mean, it's just whatever. Like I always do Netflix ratings. So it's like hated it, didn't like it, like it, really like it and love it. Like that's what Netflix used to do. So to me, this would just be like, don't like it. I don't hate it. It's, I don't think about it. And, and I don't think anybody in reality does put much into this. Cause like you all said, like most of you didn't even watch this all the way through. Like, it's not like this is something that's looming over you. Like, I can't believe they did this. You don't even watch this. So it has no consequence to me in that way. So, you know, is it sad to see this after seeing like the brilliance of like season three through five or, or whatever the peak was and stuff like that? Yeah. But this is the 11th season. <laughs> like we're, I can't believe it even lasted this long. So, you know, it just is what it is. So in that, in that regard, you know, everybody did what they could with the material David seemed invested in trying to make this work. Kelly was enthusiastic. Peg was there. Al did what he had to do. And uh, yeah, not not spectacular. I don't even know what audience this is really playing. Like, who is this show for? I don't really know. But um, I guess we're just people who are fans of the show are just supposed to be happy that their characters are in it. And that's about all we're getting at this point. It is what it is. I just don't like it. So two out of five and. That's about it for this one. All right. Okay. So in terms of myself and desperate little chimps, uh, I really can't add much more commentary than what everyone has said, but I, I might put it together a little differently. Alex, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. This is definitely not the season finale. It wasn't intended to be. And we talked about it at the beginning. I think what happened was they probably needed to hit a schedule in May. So they broadcast the two-parter, the desperate half hour and how to marry a moron and build it as the series finale of married with children. And I guess they look back on the catalog and we're like, well, we still have to air this. And I, I think I agree with Annabelle when she said that there are no promos for this. Cause I don't believe there were any promos for this. I think they were just going into summer reruns at that point in time and this one had never aired, so they put it in there, and this is the reason why it's the last one. So I definitely don't see it as a series finale, as it's intended to be, but I do think it's a terrible episode. Usually with episode reviews, the question is, for myself, is this something I want to watch again? And the fact that I consistently, since 1997, have avoided this episode is just because how cringeworthy it is. And I don't know. I, I don't know if it's it's all about the um, the massage stuff, like in terms of what they're doing to Bud that that annoys me. Some of the stuff that happens in the shoe store, 
and in Smithstone, it, it it's it sort of maybe like maybe puts a little smile on your face. But if you remember in the Michael Moy interview, what he said about the England show was he was he he said that you know he wished that there was a little bit more story there. And that to me is the issue with this. It has elements of a story, but it's not consistent. I feel like it could have been fleshed out. Like it's like it's almost like I feel like this is one of those episodes where they had a first draft and they went with it without actually having the editors go back and really flush it out a little bit more. And I feel like having a little bit more story and not necessarily going with the sight gags would have made it even funnier. Like, for example, like I said, during the acupuncture scene, if you actually had real acupuncture needles with dialogue, you could have done something and it made it even funnier than actually seeing like an arrow in Bud's stomach or a fork or, you know, some of these other kitchen things. So that was, that's sort of my opinion of that, of it. So based on all that, based on the fact that I don't like watching it, the fact that I really haven't, I really never get like a good belly laugh on any of it. I'm giving it a zero as well. Wow. It's going to be our lowest rated episode, I guess. And can I add one last thing since it will be our last ratings? Alex kind of helped me temper myself down a little bit because while I was saying it, I was getting angry. You know what? I'm not angry and I'm more in line with Luigi. It's still zero, but it's, again, it's not out of hate. It's out of, sadness and just as a fan it saddened me that this is how if i was binging the whole thing and how new people if they love this and a lot of new generations love this will start binging it this is how it will end for them and i feel bad about that i could concur with that i really could yeah i was angry watching it and maybe going through my review but uh you know it's just sad to see how one of your favorite sitcoms just keeps declining and declining and ends on a whimper. Chris always uh, gave it to me. Well, you know, Chris, you always said that um, you always rate an episode as, is this something I want to show someone who's never seen the show? Like, I want to use this as an example of like trying to get them to appreciate the show. And Chris, you've always, I think you would probably concur. This is definitely not one you would want to show even more. So the top (laughs) of the heap and enemies and the others. Uh, the only way I would show them this episode would be if I wanted to make sure they never watch uh, Married with Children again. Same <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <I'm> here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that concludes this week's episode of the Married with Children podcast. Alex, I just want to thank you again for uh, joining us on this final episode review. It's been a hell of a six years. I mean, I think I can say for myself, I mean, a lot has changed for myself in six years. You know, I'm definitely... Uh, a little older, a little wiser. I think we all are. You know, we've experienced, you know, highs and lows in our lives. And it's been a wonderful journey. And, and I just want to thank you on behalf of all of us for starting this journey and uh, giving us uh, an outlet for expressing our views on this show. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, thanks for listening. And, um, you know, when you start something like this and you're doing a a podcast about a show from 30 years ago and you're going on for 90 minutes for 22 minutes of content you never know who's your audience for that like there's i'm sure there's plenty of married children fans who are not interested in something like that so to find the people that care as much as you do and 
uh, have enough uh, emotional or nostalgic or even current interest in the show and and want to dive in in that way. That's awesome. You know, I mean, every time you do a podcast, you got to do it for you, not for an audience. Just like if you're a, a band, you make your album, you do it for you guys, not for the listeners. Even if you want to change things and go somewhere else, you got that's what you want to do. You got to do it. And being true to myself and doing it exactly how I wanted and still getting that kind of um, the following, it was uh, very rewarding. And then to know that when everything fell apart from under me, when I was arguably in my most enthusiastic period of doing the show, and that devastating moment when I realized, oh, so we're done. It was a lot to think about for a couple weeks. And then uh, to get that call that you guys are, are gonna continue on, it was really nice to hear that because it, it was sad. You know, I thought about, well, there's no way it could go on and I'm not gonna sit here and get another cast of people to do this because I'm just not doing that again. It was um, the reward of, of all my efforts to see you guys do that. That was, you know, like you say, it's a thankless thing. That was the thanks. So uh, thank you guys for uh, making that happen and completing this. And I feel much better about it, especially the people involved. So uh, uh, thank you just as much as, as you're grateful that I even uh, started it. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Learn a new skill, a new hobby, meet people. It's been a great rewarding experience. I've met other podcasters, and yeah. uh, Brian and Jamie and Jerry. It's been wonderful, and a big thanks to Jerry too. I mean, he was the first one who let me guest spot on a Patreon special. I think he did it with Tyler too, didn't he? That yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, big shout out to Jerry for that, and way back in our archives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, just to put it into statistics for everyone. If you take our views on YouTube and if you go back to, I mean, we've been on a new channel on Podbean, which is what broadcasts out to all of our audio only platforms out there. If you add it all together and you look at the statistics, we've had about half a million views over six years. So, you know, we appreciate that. We've never been in this for the views. I mean, we don't really make any money from this. For all of you super fans out there who've enjoyed this, we thank you. We still have a couple of shows left. We'll have our season wrap-up show uh, in a few weeks, which we still need to record. So stay tuned. And again, we encourage you to listen to I'll See You in Court one more time before you get to the season wrap-up show and the series wrap-up show. And as always, tune in again. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. (laughs) 